Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Yesterday, Chodo and I were at the First Corinthian Baptist Church in Harlem. We were invited to speak there about Zen practice. It's an amazing place on Adam Clayton Boulevard in Harlem and on 116th Street. And it's a congregation of 3,000 active weekly participants. Amazing. On Sundays, 3,000 people go to church there. And you walk in, and one of the first things you see is, how can you explore infinite possibilities? I love that sign. And you go into the main hall, and there's a sign that says, when have you met you without fear lately? I felt right at home. (laughs) Maybe it felt so much like our practice here. How, when have you met you without fear lately? What would that be like? And we got to spend a couple of hours with folks from there, and it was such a privilege. And we talked a lot about the difference between receiving those kinds of messages and practicing them. One woman who was in the group said, you know, wow, this is, you're actually sharing with us how to practice what we preach. Not to say that they're not practicing what they preach. Gary Snyder says, whatever made people think mind isn't rocks, fences, clouds, and houses. Meditation is the art of deliberately staying open so that myriad things can experience themselves.
meditation is the art of deliberately staying open so that myriad things can experience themselves. How rarely we allow that. In my experience, myself and others, always trying to have it all figured out or to control it, have the answer for it. And we're actually not allowing really anything to experience itself because we're so busy. even thinking we know what's going to happen next in the next moment. We raise the boat of mind and then what? Do you actually allow freshness? Allow for not knowing? The first refuge, really, of awakened mind, a fresh mind, Right before our talk with the group, one person said to me, like, so, are you nervous? It's a big group. I said, well, I'm pretty sure it could either go extremely well, somewhere in between, or a complete disaster. And knowing that, it feels quite free. How rarely we allow that, really, for us to see what will happen. People ask what we prepared for it. What is a two-hour presentation? Nothing. How are we going to know what people need if we don't actually receive the people? How do we trust what actually is unfolding if we're filling everything up? I love this story so much about the tea master and the academic that I've told many times, but it just, where this academic goes to Japan and wants to learn about Zen. And the tea master sits him down at a table, puts a beautiful teacup in front of him, and starts pouring the tea. And the guy keeps asking questions and questions and questions and questions. And the tea master says nothing, but just keeps pouring the tea, pouring the tea, and it starts overflowing all over the beautiful tatami floor. And the guy's like, you've gone crazy. 
He said, no, I'm just showing you your mind. You leave no room. For the freshness. In the Mumon Khan, there's a case number 30 is mind is Buddha. Tai Bai once asked Basso, his teacher, what is Buddha? Basso answered, mind is Buddha. And that's the end of the koan. Mumon's comment says, if you can see into this, understand with absolute and immediate clarity. You wear the Buddha's robe, eat Buddha's food, and speak Buddha's words. Live Buddha's life. You are, in fact, the Buddha. is this mind is Buddha notice it didn't say brain is Buddha yesterday in our time in this group it was so amazing and they you know after we gave some beginning instruction people asked a very familiar question about well I have so many thoughts this is so hard that we over-identify with our brain. We think our brain is us. It's just five pounds, five pounds. Like we don't over-identify with our lungs, our kidneys, our heart, which are working away. whatever they're doing. We don't think that those are us. We don't often say, well, my meditation would be better if my glands were working. Not so hard. My kidney, my liver, my large intestine. People complain a lot about the brain. brain, like all those other organs, is rather autonomous, just doing its thing. So in meditation, we're trying to interrupt that process of identification. Last summer, when my friend Michael was brain dead, 
everyone who was with him still felt him in the bed. There was not a single thing going on up here. And yet, they could still feel him when you walked into the room. So, who are you? Mind is Buddha. Where is your mind? What is mind? His poem about this koan says, a fine day under the blue sky. Don't foolishly look here or there. If you still ask, what is Buddha? It is like pleading your innocence while clutching stolen goods. Just to clarify. Amazing how we want to make things complicated. We don't want it to be that it's just what each moment has to offer. We want to think about it, outsmart it, control it. Exhausting. avoid discomfort, go towards comfort, you want to go towards blankness, popular. first teacher died of, you know, once a year Zen Mountain Monastery would have like a kids weekend and I think they still do that and at night they'd have a campfire and tell stories about the wizard of the mountain and usually Dido would dress up as a wizard in a big cloak so you couldn't see his face and a big staff and he would appear at night at the fire. And he would say, I am the wizard of Mount Tremper. And one of the kids said, well, what's your magic? And he said, are you breathing? Feel your inhalation. Now let's all feel our exhalation. That's my magic. And <laughs> then he would go away into the night. <laughs> Those of you who might have met him, he's a very tall, big guy, big Italian guy. That's the magic. Feeling your breath in your body feeling your actual experience. 
the great magic of zazen, having your experience. No inside, no outside. Not when you're here wearing a robe or not wearing a robe. When you're at home, on the street, yesterday asked me, well, how do you know if your practice is authentic? Such a great question. I thought, well, my first answer is that you're not an asshole most of the time. Because then you're actually working with your practice and looking at how your thoughts, words, and actions and taking responsibility for them without shame or blame, but just full responsibility. And then I thought a little bit more about it and I realized maybe that's the whole thing. Are all your thoughts how are you working with your thoughts, your words, and your actions? Creating division. If our thoughts, words, and actions are working to create division, take responsibility for that and shift. To me, that's why life is so amazing, because we can just keep working with that moment by moment coming back to that coming back to our the softness of the breath in our hara learning how to be more caring and it doesn't matter our opinions about things I think that was the third thing I said not being so invested in your opinions and preferences so much pain in this world because people's attachment to opinions and preferences. Governments, political parties, breathe in, I'm right and you're wrong. But maybe breathe in, I'm right and you're wrong. Oh. One. There I go again.
one of my teacher's teachers was a woman named Maureen Stewart, who um, is an amazing, one of the first female teachers in the West. There's a book about her in, called Subtle Sound. I learn about her. And she was a very devoted student to Soen Nakagawa, who was a, also Peter Matheson's first teacher and Dido's first teacher. And he would come to the United States once in a while and people would flock wherever he was because he was quite extraordinary. She came down from Boston when he was in New York to see someone. And he said, oh, how'd you get here? She said, oh, I, I drove my car. He said, well, what's really important is how are you driving your life? All the time. How are you driving your life all the time? Such a wonderful question. What's driving your thoughts, words, and actions? Don't foolishly look here and there. If you still ask, what is Buddha? It is like pleading your innocence while clutching stolen goods. Don't foolishly look here and there. Just really examine how you're driving your life. 